Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. Many of us can feel uneasy when we hear, hear the word annulment. Maybe you've had a divorce in your family, come from divorced parents, or have had a friend come to you who was struggling with divorce. What exactly are annulments, and why does the church require them for those who have already suffered through a divorce? If you're wondering you may, if you may be in need of an annulment, our friends at the Metropolitan Tribunal will be offering an annulment consulta- consultation excuse me, on Ash Wednesday at the Cathedral. Joining us to share a bit more is Deacon Nathan Allen, who is a judge for the Metropolitan Tribunal. Deacon Allen, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you very much. Well, let's start out with, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, annulment is not the actual technical term for what we're, going, what we're going to be discussing today. Am I right about that? Yes, we're actually, the Church doesn't, uh, the, the, the decision of the, of the tribunal doesn't affect anything. What we do is we declare that whether a marriage is null, whether nullity is proven, I suppose that's the best way to say it. It's, uh, uh, the, the marriage is either uh, valid or invalid, and we're being asked to answer a question, is nullity proven? We assume a marriage is valid until the contrary is established, and that's where the judgment comes in, where we collect the evidence and come to a conclusion. Right, on right. That. So you're not actually making the marriage null, but you are. You know, if there is a de- declaration of nullity to be given, right? Yeah. Marriage either happens or fails to happen on day one. It's the right. consent of the parties, the I do, that makes marriage. And but let's, that you know, leads to a question because right. you know, is there something about the I do that's really an I don't? Mm-hmm. Is there something about the I do that's really an I can't? You know, uh, so yeah, that's what we're looking at. And that's exactly what we need to stress, I think, here at the outset of our discussion is that it's really all focused on what is going on at the time of the actual marriage itself when it begins. Right? That's what the declaration of nullity process is really looking at. Right. Obviously, the stuff that that leads up to that can be relevant because it can show how you know the people got to be you know have, you know uh, how they were at the time of the wedding, what was forming their thought process, what was you know, and so forth. And what happens afterwards can be relevant too because uh, you know, especially if there's a pattern of behavior or a natural progression of a mental illness or you know something like that, that can that can kind of shed light on the moment of consent. But we're always trying as best we can to get back to the I do. And what exactly does that, uh, you know, is the I do really and I don't, as you put it, uh, mm-hmm. what, what factors are, are, is the tribunal looking at or is the judge looking at? Or, uh, well, yeah. you, if you can think about it, and I'm, before my ordination in previous life, I, I practiced law. And, uh, and so thinking in terms of contract law, if you think about like a contract you have in front of you, like say a purchase agreement on a house or something like that, and it's got a number of clauses, and you go through them, you think clause one's fine, clause two's fine, clause three's fine. If you're okay with everything, you sign it, right? Um, well, with marriage, those clauses, if you will, are in the, are in the wedding vows. Mm-hmm. And so if a person is promising till death do us part, but really means, eh, we'll give it a go for a few years and see if we're still happy. We'll kind of re-up our lease. You know, they, they, they haven't consented to marriage. They've consented to something radically different from what the Catholic Church understands marriage to mean. And similarly, if a person is promising, forsaking all others, but really means to, you know, cheat whenever occasion presents itself, that person is saying, I do, but means I don't. Right, right. And so the whole process is really an investigation into the circumstances, as you said, what was going on right at the time of, but it, mm-hmm. of, of the wedding, but it can take into account, does take into account um, the times before and even in cases after. What's yeah, actions on. can speak louder than words. Right, yeah. right. And so, so that, that consent, and, and uh, 
Are those all the clauses, Deacon, or are there other? Oh no, other, uh, we okay. can look at at, at uh, uh, you know one of the things in a Catholic wedding. Uh, you know, and, uh, obviously due to age or physical condition, can't have children. That's another matter. But we're, when we're giving ourselves totally in marriage, one of the things we're giving is the gift of our fertility. So if the person is promising, you know, will you accept children lovingly from God, but intends to contracept every act, never give that gift of self, they haven't totally given themselves. Mm-hmm. They've withheld some essential aspect of their consent. Now, again, do people, you know, I, I knew some people who got married when they were in their 80s, you know, I mean, uh, so, you know, you can only give what you've got, but marriage is a total gift of self, you know, and so if you're deliberately withholding part of that gift, um, you haven't given the gift. Mm-hmm. And then there's something about compulsion too, right? It has to be a free choice. Yeah, that's kind of what I call the, you know, on the other side of the ledger, they got the, is there something about the I do that's really an I don't? And on the other side of the ledger, it's, is there something about the I do that's really an I can't? You know, Uh, I mean, obviously if somebody's got, you know, you will make an honest woman of my daughter or you will die. (laughs) You know, nobody can validly consent to anything with a gun to your head. Right. Right. Uh, so, good point. Uh, and 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 there can be. It doesn't have to be quite uh, that uh, uh, dramatic a situation. I mean, you can have uh, 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 severe, really strong internal pressures might short circuit a person's decision making capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we'll sometimes see this, especially in you know the seventeen and pregnant kind of case or something like that, where you know the person can't not marry. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, well, that's it's not quite the gun to the head, but it's. It can that kind of internal compulsion can be serious enough that it it, it undermines a person's capacity to to make the reason mature, you know, evaluation and discernment regarding marriage that you know we expect. Well, your average older teenager to be able to make, but they might not be able to make under those circumstances. Sure, you know? sure. So with all these situations, they, they may warrant the beginning of the annulment process or the, mm-hmm. the process for a declaration of nullity. So describe to us, a, a, in brief anyway, describe to yeah. us what, what does the process look like, Deacon? Well, there are a couple of, of uh, different things. I mean, there are two different tracks. Basically, there's the difference between a formal case, which is where we're actually having to take evidence to look at to try to get into the heads of the parties on the day of the wedding. Okay. And that's a little more, you know, we'll take witness testimony, we'll be taking testimony of the parties and so forth. Um, so I'll talk about that. But there, there are some other shorter ones, like, for example, if a, if a, if a Catholic, uh, um, if there was an undispensed impediment, and the most common one is the person's already married as far as the Catholic Church is concerned, so a prior bond, that's simply proven by the document. You know, was this person free to marry? No, I guess then, then there's no marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or if a Catholic attempts marriage outside the Catholic form, uh, without the consent of the bishop, um, you know, so a Catholic has a civil wedding uh, that, and and it's never subsequently validated in the church. That would be a simple documentary process. Okay. But the formal case, with the formal case, we start with, um, uh, you know, the, the the party will usually meet with someone in the parish, prepare a uh, an application and a written statement and. Uh, uh, to give us a broad overview, then they'll meet with someone in our office who will help uh, 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 them kind of formalize the you know uh, proposed grounds, and then we'll start. We'll notify the respondent, try to get their insights, because respondent has all the rights in the case the petitioner does. It's that person's marriage too, and then we'll start interviewing witnesses uh, and you know basically trying to 
you know, ask the question that you know is nullity proven you know uh by by looking into things um so once all the testimony is in uh then we would uh notify the parties they have the right to review everything make any final comments uh there's uh, the uh, defender of the bond of marriage, since the marriage can't speak for itself. The, uh, there's an officer of the court called the defender of the bond of marriage who argues for a negative decision and generally keeps the process honest. And then it will come before the three judges who will uh, you know, read the case, prepare their votum, which is their preliminary vote and reasons why. Then we enter into a room, open in prayer, argue out the case, and come to a vote. And then one of us will be assigned to write it up. So this is very much a, a court, uh, like we see. Yeah, we t- we take it seriously um, because uh, the church takes marriage seriously. Right, right. As as well, it should because Jesus took marriage very seriously right. too. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. So um, if we're looking, if we're looking at uh, a typical case where, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, yeah, in my throat. Okay, so. Um, if we're looking at a case where a couple has legally divorced, mm-hmm. and uh, if they're if they're wanting to seek this, you said they start by talking with someone in their parish. Yeah, usually that's where it begins, right? There's usually the pastor, or there. It's the larger parishes might have you know somebody who specifically does this, you know, uh, uh, who you know a volunteer who helps them kind of prepare their petition. Uh, it's also available online if they don't want to meet with anybody and just want to fill out the you know the paperwork on online and oh. get the ball rolling with us. Okay, and where where could they find that? That online? would be at the, the if you go to the archdiocesan website. I don't have the address right in front of me, but then pull down like the the, the tribunal, you know, among the various offices. Kind of follow the follow the logic tree. You'll eventually get there. Right. Okay. Very good. And I'll see if I can pull that up here before the okay. end of our of our session here. Um. But then there's also this uh, consultation event going on on Ash Wednesday at the cathedral. Tell yeah. us some about that. Well, we've been doing this for several years now. Uh, we kind of we've taken a little break because of COVID, obviously. But but uh, um, we'll have uh, one of the judges of the tribunal will be there, and one of the notaries, uh, um, who's uh, the, you know, our assistants in the office, who uh, the the people who do the real work, uh, and uh, um, and we'll be there to you know answer questions uh, uh, in past years, and I assume it's going to be the same. We'll be set up, but in the you know in the in the the front, you know, in the vestibule area over by the there's a a statue of of uh, Michelangelo's Pietà, and then there's also the baptistry. One of us is usually in one of you know two of us will be there um, in one in both those places, and people can come up and you know. Give us, we'll give a few minutes for our time to go through uh, the facts of their case and uh, um, make a recommendation on whether you know we think that this is something that is worth pursuing. Um, you know, uh, and sometimes it's just to answer questions. You know, sure. uh, somebody's yeah. got questions. Obviously, the more information a person's got, the better. So, if it's the person, the party <laughs> himself or herself, that's that's best because it's their life and they would know the intimate details. But uh, um, but sometimes it's a parent who's wanting to you know get some information to you know to kind of nudge a child toward you know doing this. Uh, uh, son or daughter uh, to to pursuing this, so you know we'll uh, try to answer questions and and anything. Sometimes people are just curious about mm. the, you know how case goes procedurally, you know. Right. So. 
So, and, and is this just a? It, did you say it's a first come first serve basis type of thing? It's it's yeah, you don't yeah. take appointments or anything, right? And it's just every it's just pretty much all you know all, all day Ash Wednesday from you know, morning till uh, uh, evening will be there, um, and, and uh, uh, there will be someone there to take questions and different times of day it can be a little busier, you know, right yeah. after the, the Ash Wednesday mass, it seems like there's a line, but you know, yeah. uh, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's all confidential, I would assume. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're just talking to, uh, uh, somebody, you know, I mean, obviously it's in a public place, so there's, you have to keep your voices down, but yeah, it's, right. it's confidential. I've, I've, uh, I've said confessions back there in the, in the vestibule. So okay. I, I, I understand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you can keep your voice down and others will not hear you. Yes. <laughs> right. It is possible. Right. Very good. Okay. So, um, maybe a little bit more on a pastoral side of things, Deacon, okay. I'm, I'm curious about, uh, now a couple has been through a divorce and that's a legal divorce and, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, oftentimes traumatizing to, to have to go through that. And, uh, what about, I mean, and it sounds like, given your description of the formal process of a declaration of nullity, mm-hmm. seeking a declaration of nullity anyway, um, can be, well, it can be pretty involved as well. Um, what would you say pastorally to someone who has gone through the legal divorce and now um, faces the choice whether or not to seek a declaration of nullity as well? Yeah, well, first of all, a person's, you know, nothing obligates a person to seek it. It's only if a person intends to continue, you know, living, you know, you can live your marriage even though it's been ended by the civil court. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, uh, um, uh, it, but people are generally coming to us when they're seeking to enter another marriage, you know. Right. Um, uh, although I've had few that are seeking to enter seminary or religious life, so uh, over the 20 years I've been on the tribunal, <laughs> so okay. but but most people have been uh, are seeking to enter another marriage. Well, then you know then it becomes a question of is the person free to marry? I mean, because as far as the Catholic Church is concerned, till death do us part, and nobody's dead yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, uh, uh, but then of course we're we're uh, so there's that aspect why somebody would approach us. But it can be helpful to, uh, even though it can also be painful, um, to look at the reasons for a failure um, uh, in, in, you know, of a person's marriage, um, to uh, do the introspection that often, you know, I mean, the civil court doesn't care under MnSTAT section 518.06. Uh, 06, I believe it is. Uh, the only ground for civil dissolution of matrimony is the irretrievable breakdown of the marriage, which is proven by one party saying there's been irretrievable breakdown of the marriage. There's no, you know, no fault divorce. There's, the court's not going to look at what was the cause of this. How did this happen? You know, um, and so sometimes that that reflection piece can be helpful, even if it is painful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ultimately, from the tribunal's perspective, we're just trying to answer a question. So, you know, that's not the core of what I, as a judge, am looking at. But mm-hmm. I, I do know a lot of people have said this is helpful to, to go through that, that right. introspection. Okay, great. Uh, only a little bit of time remaining, Deacon, but um, maybe just more philosophically now, or theologically, mm-hmm. or perhaps specifically ecclesiologically, how does this process strengthen the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it shows our seriousness that, with which we take marriage, um, and, uh, and consequently, I think that it should inform how we approach marriage in the first place. 
you know that that we're that we uh, and and you do this to some degree, you know, in our in our parishes when you're you know filling out your the form, you know, that they go through the questions, you know, are you anybody too closely related? Anybody a runaway monk? Anybody, you know? <laughs> but but you're also <laughs> making sure there are no impediments to marriage, but also um, by reflecting on, you know, uh, uh, what are the the essential elements or properties of marriage? Because strong marriages, you know, the church. Uh, we, we talk, the, the church talks about the about the family as being uh, the domestic church, and strong marriages make for strong Christians. Strong, you know, the husband and wife grow in holiness together. Um, their children are born out of their love and grow in that love with that witness of to, to love and self sacrifice that that uh, Christian marriage uh, you know is ideally supposed to represent. So. Um, by giving people the opportunity to, uh, you know, either at the, uh, ideally at the front end, but at the back end to see where did we fail so that any subsequent marriage um, uh, is, you're going to be focused on those things that, that really are at the heart and core of, of what the marriage commitment is, I think can be very helpful, yeah. you know, as a witness to married life uh, and, and a witness to, to, the, to the world and the holiness of the husband and wife together. They're the ministers of the sacrament. They're the ones whose purpose is, you know, in the sacrament is to bring each other to heaven, as Blessed Carl von Austria told his wife Zita on their wedding day. Did you know that story? Mm. No. As he was leaving the, the, the cathedral, he says to her, and now it is our task to bring each other to heaven. Nice, nice, very you good. Know? This is all very helpful, Deacon. We're very appreciative of that. Unfortunately, we've reached the end of our time, but we're grateful okay. for the work that you do, and thank you for this information, and hopefully it will encourage uh, people who would like to begin the process to do just that. God bless you, Deacon. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. All right. And if you'd like to go to rcsbm.org slash events, you can find out more about those annulment consultations going on on Ash Wednesday at the Cathedral. Hey, Cammy, what's next? <laughs> You know, I'm so glad you asked. Um, coming up next, we're talking with our friends Nell O'Leary and Liz Kelly about a new devotional to help us dive deeper into our God-given identities in Christ. So stay with us. Stay with us.